Let's rock and roll. Here we go. Ready, Maddie? Yep. Three, two, one, record. Welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Folks, after five fantastic months of this 2021 college tennis season, we have finally arrived at the NCAA championship match. It's going to be the number one seeded University of Florida Gators taking on the number two seed Baylor University Bears. What a fantastic week of action we have seen in Orlando. What a fantastic semifinal Friday we just saw unfold. And finally, for the first time this week, joining me on the podcast to break down the semifinals, preview the finals here today, are the other two members of the Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity. We can get right into it. Joining us, as he always does, the former four-star recruit on tennisrecruiting.net, your favorite writer for our website, crackrackets.com, and perhaps now more than ever, the other half of Baylor's Nick Stokowiak. It's Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, hey, great shot. It's been great to get to hang with you in person all week. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, doing great, man. Doing great. This uh, this pod is a nice distraction, uh, you know, to get me focused for the match tonight. So um, ready to rock and roll, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. On a scale of one to 10, how stressed are you feeling right now? Because obviously I got to sit sit next to you yesterday and I I felt that stress through you by proxy. Yeah, I mean, I would say right at this moment, I'm probably at about a four or a five. That's going to ramp up over the next few hours here again, which is why I don't mind recording this. Um, you know, as a, as a nice little distraction, but yeah, I'll probably be at about an eight or a nine in, uh, four or five hours. <laughs> That's good to hear. And I should also pass along. My mom wanted me to send her love to the Stokowiak family. She's pulling for Nikki, I think as much as anyone. And I was like, mom, I promise when I hugged Mrs. Stokowiak, I said it was from you and that she can t- considers Matt her own son as well. But no, I, I felt that stress level. It's been so great to get to hang with the stacks. It's been so fun to watch, obviously, Nick perform. I do feel invested in that. I'm trying to remain as unbiased as possible, but couldn't help but cheer for Nick yesterday. But of course, joining us as well here today, a man who I suppose he'll claim he's unbiased. We all know he's pulling for his SEC Florida Gators. So a perfect bounce. And he flashes off his Florida shirt as I say that. You, of course, know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula predictions, never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, lover of almond joys, lover of mothers, the snitch, the professor, he quotes Henry Ford, and of course, his life is one run by his wife. It's Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, great shot to you, my friend. How are you doing? Doing good. Been a great week. Looking forward to the uh, to the finals, you know, getting to spend a lot of time with the family down here, see some good tennis, and uh, you know, this will be uh this is the final we all wanted. So I'm ready to ready to see it happen. Uh is it the final we all wanted? I'm gonna respectfully agree to disagree. Well, maybe you didn't. Maddie and I wanted to see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And just to be clear, uh, Chris coming to us from the road, he is again, hanging with some family this week. And I'm grateful to both of you. I know, you know, you guys aren't crack rackets employees, but of course these podcasts haven't felt the same without you. So I appreciate you both taking the time to chat today. And yeah, I almost replaced you, Chris, with a combination of Trevor and Nick on this podcast. I just felt like, you know, <laughs> they might've done slightly better than you this week, but no, nevertheless, it's great to have the Trinity back. I mean, that like a good looking German mix. I mean, how that's way better than me. I don't know how you didn't do that. I mean, I know. No, we have a that for the old guy. Yeah. The problem is we have a five foot 10 requirement to get on this podcast. And so (laughs) Nick was just a little (laughs) bit short. But by the way, I heard that the proxy yesterday was way more stressed and way louder chirping than actually Maddie was. Who'd you hear that for? From who? Who's, who's that? And I hope not James. I hope uh, if that was from any of our sources at Tennessee. No, that that's that's a Parsa bomb, by the way. There's no way that wasn't directly from Parsa, Chris. It was absolutely directly from Parsa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as we were as we were chatting there late, at, and at, uh, I think on the way out of the match, he was. We were talking about it, <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, Gruskin seemed to be a lot more tense than Maddie was. Maddie's pretty calm and." 
Gruskin's like chirping it up and, you know, going wild. <laughs> well, A, I haven't had the chance to flex my cheering muscles in like 18 months at these college matches because, of course, I only got to see my Wolverines once in person and it was in Champaign at Illinois. And I can't root against Illinois because obviously got some ties there now. And so um, I felt like I could explain to everyone, no, 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 no. I consider Nick a little brother as well. So I'm going to I'm just cheering for him whenever there would be Baylor Bears. I would remain silent whenever they would remind everyone Baylor spelled B-A-Y-L-O-R. I would remain silent. But Maddie, I have to, I just feel like you're not a guy who cheers, right? I feel like when you get stressed, you kind of just stay calm, focused, and you let out the big yell when the result is over. Well, yeah, that's fair. I mean, you guys have to understand, I've, I've been to a lot of Knicks matches over the years, and <laughs> it's one of those things where I haven't always been the most vocal directly to him. I'll get vocal for other guys, you know, and try to get them pumped up. You know, I usually let Nick just do his thing. Uh, We've always kind of had that type of a deal when he's on the court. I'll get pumped up occasionally, you know, when it's when it's warranted, Um, you know, but he's never you guys know how he is on the Mm -hmm. court himself. I mean, he's calm, cool. That's how he plays. And so, you know, I I try to remain, um, you know, a little bit similar to that as well, if I can. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. And I have one last fact check before we get into today's podcast for you, Maddie. I was talking to Nick last night as the Baylor Bears were practicing under the lights to get accustomed to those conditions. He goes, look, me and my sister, we're the same. Maddie and my dad, they're identical to one another. And then our mom, somewhere in between. Is that a fair assessment of the Stokowiak family? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, if if that's if that's what he told you, I can't disagree there. I mean, Jenna, my sister, my mom, they're you know, or, or Nick, I should say, Nick and Nick and Jenna, pretty quiet. Uh, they don't say much. Obviously, you know, my dad and I, a uh, little bit more boisterous, a little bit a little bit louder. Um, and so, yeah, no, that's a that's a fair assessment. I think I think overall. I would say if I had to put my mom in a category, I'd, I'd flip her over there with with Nick and Jenna. I think a little bit more on the quiet side. Um, but yeah, I agree with Nick. Yeah, no, that's fair. And there's like an hour long podcast with Jenna Stacks that has to happen someday. Just war stories from her oh, time. Good luck with that. <laughs> Uh, work on that you can work on that one Gruskin yeah exactly that's my project for today is to get her excuse me to come on the final podcast but of course what we're going to be doing on this podcast recapping yesterday's hold on one second (coughs) Jesus some pizza slice went down the wrong pipe there Ooh. (coughs) hold on we're gonna not leave this all in don't worry um ooh. Your boy needs some water. Oh, man. Oh, the coffee pit. Jesus. All right. That'll do. Okay. Um, here we go. Um, Yeah, that's fair, Maddie. And that'll be my project for throughout today's finals, getting her on that last podcast. But of course, what we are going to do today, set the scene for today's NCAA men's final. Of course, we had two spectacular semifinals yesterday. We're going to recap those two matches and then we'll offer our take on who we think is going to emerge as the 2021 national champion. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out is the because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends at the Turn Tennis. like the first five minutes my wife's ever heard of one of our pods. <laughs> That's good to hear, and I'm sure she's a fan now. Uh, hopefully, that those are probably the last five minutes, Chris, safe to say. But, um, you know, as we, again, look at this, uh, as we get into this, of course, it's made possible by our friends at Turn of Tennis. The only grip that gets tackier when you sweat is performance in hot and humid conditions unmatched. And of course, you know that iconic blue color can be seen on the rackets of hundreds of touring pros. If you would like to join the Turner family, you can contact them to get college pricing or free samples by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. Again, sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707. With that in mind, Let's get into the action. And let's start, of course, chronologically with a match that Matt Stokowiak deemed 
his favorite match he's ever attended in person. The Baylor Bears knocking off Tennessee 4-2 in a dramatic fashion. And look, we said it, you know, this is the big stat all weekend long. There have now been 28 matches, I believe, at this NCAA tournament. The winner of the doubles point is 25-3. and in those 28 matches. Now, the three losses, uh, obviously the Texas men did it. I believe the Tennessee men did it in the quarterfinals. And now the Baylor Bears have done it as well. Baylor coming back after dropping the doubles point against Tennessee to find four singles victories. Let's start with that doubles point. And I want to start with you, Maddie, because obviously, again, I was sitting next to you during the course of this match. We watched this unfold. Did Baylor win this doubles point? Did, uh, excuse me, did Tennessee win this doubles point? Did Baylor blink or was it somewhere in between? Because I really do think it was a little bit of both in this instance. Yeah, I agree with you there, Gruskin. I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, what was most disappointing for me was you look up at the scoreboard at one point and it shows four, three for Baylor on every single court on all three. And two of those were breaks on courts two and three. So, I mean, at that point, you're feeling so good. And I do think... I do think, you know, we blinked a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. There were some opportunities there that that the Bears didn't take advantage of. But look, credit to Tennessee. I mean, they came out with a ton of energy. And they've always played that way. You know, their coaches are always fired up and everything. And they were feeling it. And they didn't go anywhere, which you had to figure that they wouldn't. I mean, this is a top five team that we've had in the rankings all year long. They are that good. And Tennessee always plays fantastic doubles. So it was a combination of both. Tennessee, they didn't they didn't go anywhere. They hung in um, and they won the crucial points when they had to. But for Baylor, again, you look back on it and go, man, we should have had that. And I think maybe even in the beginning, the early portion of singles, there was a bit of a carryover effect, I think. That's an excellent way of putting it. I thought the first hour and a half of this match, maybe even the first two hours, Maddie, belonged to Tennessee. They were in control. And just to start at the number one doubles position, Harper and Walton, who take a 7-5 decision over Lon Fronson, they, you know, I'm still, I think Blumberg and Cernok were the best doubles team I've seen all year long. I think when they click, they just have the highest upside. But Harper and Walton don't make mistakes. They play such fundamentally sound doubles. They're good at crossing. They're good at getting two up. They can play two back if they need to as well. And look, Svenlaw has found his form. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But this Harper-Walton duo, they can play. And then, you know, Charlie Broom and Finn Bass are probably going to be your all-tournament team three doubles, regardless of what happens today. I think they're 3-0 and here in Orlando. And I mean, Charlie, yeah. an, another match point inside in forehand over the highest part of the net winner to earn the clinch there at 6-3. But to your point, and I, again, Chris, I promise we'll bring you in at some point, but for Soto, you know, for Matias and Nick, they were in control. And I think that was where at two doubles, Baylor blinked a little bit, didn't they, Maddie? Yeah, no, I I think so. I mean, you can't lose that break advantage. And they lost a couple of deuce points. Again, Mm -hmm. these things, a six-game set, it's coming down to one or two points. And I specifically remember two deuce points towards the end of that set. Tennessee won them both. And that was yeah. that was the difference there. But yeah, once you get up that break, you know, I'm hoping uh I'm hoping tonight the result's a little bit different. If you have that break advantage, you gotta hold it and close it out at this stage. Mm-hmm. And again, we've we've talked about what Baylor didn't do well to the to the Tennessee side, Chris. They dropped four doubles points all season long, and you know, they take that doubles point one oh and a one oh lead. And I mean it did feel, Chris, right? Like they had all of the momentum in the world to start out in singles. And I think the results early on reflected that fact. Chris, can you hear us? Yeah, I mean, look, if you're, yep, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. There you go. Can you hear me, Gruskin? Yep, you're back. Yeah, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you get that 1-0 lead, you, you end up getting, I mean, you get a great match from, from Hussey, right? And you get, you kind of get a 2-0 lead. And then even though Baylor ties it up at 2-all, if you tell Tennessee and Tennessee fans before the match, hey, look, I'll give you 2-all, and the three guys I'm going to leave on the court for you are, are Walton, Monday, and Wiedemann. 
you take that all day long. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, all day, all day you take that. And so to have Walton, Monday, and Wiedemann being the three guys left out there for you at two all, and I mean, and that at that point, to your, to your point, you're a good, and on top of that, Walton and Wiedemann took first sets, right? So two of those three matches, you plus hours in thinking we're still in, you know, you know, it's a, it's a fighter's chance for sure. It's not like we're, you know, once the matches got level, they never really were out. It wasn't like they were out in front breaks. It kind of felt like Baylor had turned it and, and we're going, but, but if you're a Tennessee fan, you're still thinking that, Hey, this is, this is a spot we're happy with. We want to be here. So, uh, you know, that, it's a match that was right there for them. They just couldn't pull it off. <laughs> no, again, and I do want to point out, uh, again, we are very grateful. Chris on the road is his audio the best quality. No, not today, but we're going to leave him in nevertheless. And no, to your point, I think he nailed it. And I will say yesterday, uh, you know, I think on a podcast, I referred to Adam Walton as a fifth year senior. He's a fourth year uh, here. So technically a senior, but he's got that extra year of COVID eligibility. So an unforced error by me. Apologies for that yesterday, but very much to Chris's point. I mean, look, when we when Luca took that first set 6-1 over Nick and, you know, they got the first set from Hussey 6-4 over Broom, which was very much unexpected. And then, you know, Walton takes that 6-3 set over Boyton and, you know, Monday and Soto are still battling deep into the first. It really did feel, to the point I made earlier, like Tennessee had control of this match. And, you know, again, this is where it's time to talk about Sven Law, Maddie, because that was the weak spot for the Baylor Bears coming into this NCAA tournament. You look for Sven La, I believe he was what overall on the year. He's 12 and nine overall in the year, nine and seven at three singles now, but I think he was like seven and seven or maybe six and seven even entering uh, this NCAA tournament stretch here in Orlando. And you look at what he's been able to do you know, unfinished against Slavich in that first uh, round, but he was able to get the split that Baylor needed. And then, you know, he popped firmly yesterday and he popped. Martin Prada, six love, six three. That was the Sven Law we saw in 2020. That was the Sven Law we saw in 2019. One could argue, I know it was the first point on the board, but that was about as important of a point as you were going to find, right? To have this Sven Law clicking for the Baylor Bears, that means everything moving forward. And it just kind of, it stemmed the bleeding, right? It sort of was like, all right, let's reset. Laws on the board, you know, we can rave about Spencer Furman again. The guy doesn't lose at six singles. He puts another straight set win on the board. But, for you know, I think we knew the Spencer one was coming, Maddie. But for Sven to perform like that yesterday meant everything for the Bears. Oh, yeah, there's no question. I mean, he's found his game. Clearly, he, lo he looks like a totally different player. He's confident. I mean, he is executing shots at a ridiculously high level. His I mean, inside-out forehand yesterday was absurd. But it's it's not even just that. It's every shot. He's playing drop shots at the mm -hmm. right times. He's finishing at the net. He's serving well. Like, he's doing everything well. Um, and it's just, it's great to see. Because, you know, we all know that he hasn't had the season that he was was hoping for, you know, back mm -hmm. starting off in January. But he's found his game now, and it's a perfect time. So I think that's what gave Baylor hope, the fact that we saw what Sven was doing. We saw what Spencer was doing. And I know it looked daunting for a little while there, you know, the way that Charlie was playing, Nick was going down in that first set. Adrian dropped his first set. But when you have two guys like Sven and Spencer that are putting up quick sets, you knew that there was still going to be a chance um, mm -hmm. if somebody was able to turn their match around. And, and luckily for Baylor, Nick was really able to do that, I thought. No, absolutely. And again, in terms of the rhythm of this match, because it was a 4-2 scoreline, it felt every bit like a 4-3 match. And just for, you know, Sven, Spencer, and Spencer 6-3, 6-2 over Rodgers at 6, Spencer was amazing. I mean, I don't want to just brush over how good he has been. And to have Spencer Furman at 6 singles, we've talked about it all season long. You look for the numbers for him. I believe he's now 20-2 and two at that 6 singles position, which is just absolutely absurd. Or, excuse me, 16-2, and two, but 23-2 and two overall in the season. It's a lock. You pencil that in. And, you know, we do have to, on the flip side, Credit to Giles Hussey. 
it's an unconventional game style. He'll throw forehand slices at you. He'll throw in drop shots. He'll move forward. He'll hit some moon balls as well. He took it to Charlie, who has not played his best singles here in Orlando. Now, he's played great doubles, but he has not played his best singles. But, you know, again, two points on the board for Baylor. So that's 2-1. Hussey closes his out match out 2-all. Simultaneously, you get Nick taking... It's funny because it was kind of a Spider-Man meme sort of thing, right, uh, Maddie? Everything Luca did to Nick in the first set, Nick did back to Luca in that second set. And right as it was two all, Nick earned the split. Soto takes that first set tiebreaker 7-6. Boykan's up a break at one singles in the second. That was the first moment where it felt like things began to sort of shift towards the Baylor Bears, right? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you felt a lot better about it at that point, but I mean, there was nothing set in stone. I mean, the match Mm -hmm. still could have flipped either way at that point, but yeah, no, at that point you were feeling like, all right, we got it. We have a decent chance here um, of pulling this thing off. Yeah. Matias's first set tiebreaker was huge over Monday. Um, And then, you know, we were sitting behind Nick's court and we just figured, Hey, that's probably going to be the one that ends up deciding this thing. If, if Nick can find a way back, um, you know, Adrian was still fighting. Matias was up a set and, and it was looking much better at that point, but <laughs> it was still a grind. No, absolutely. And look, Nick raced out to a four love lead in this, in the third, wasn't it, Maddie? It was four yep. love. Yeah. Yep. Four love. And Luca came firing back. And I have to say, I had the chance to listen to coach Woodruff coaching Luca in that set. I was so impressed. He was just saying, look, Nick's not going to give you any because in the first set, Nick gave uh, with respectfully, Nick gave Luca everything. And then in the second set, Luke gave Nick everything. And Woodruff was like, look, you're going to have to be aggressive with your footwork. You're going to have to look to hit the inside in forehand. And pro- I promise, Chris, I'm going to bring you back in after this. But one last question for Maddie here, because Luca does, you know, sort of narrow the gap, gets it to three, four, and then it's a three, four deuce point for Nick. And, you know, for him to hit that forehand approach, and then just nails at the net. That backhand volley put away to take that 5-3 deuce point. That was everything he ends up holding 4-6-4. Four, four. Again, I know it's your brother. You're biased. But I can't imagine being more proud than you probably were in that moment. Yeah, no. I mean, for me, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that that was Nick's best tennis match that he's ever played. Just from a physical ball striking standpoint, I don't think that was the case. But I do think... And I've watched all his matches, considering the stage, right? We're talking final four in that moment. He probably needs to win for Baylor to advance, more than likely. Um, I just think mentally, the way that he willed himself to win that match overall, in my opinion, that's one of his better performances that I've ever seen throughout his career, considering the stage of the match and just being a final four NCAA semifinal yeah it's that's as good as it gets from him I think yeah it was, it was just so so fun down the home stretch and you could tell the frustration on Wiedemann's face who you know the fifth year senior left it all out on the court for him to you know get back in that set he could have folded he could have tanked he saw the other scoreboards you know and Monday had come back and taken the second set and you know Walton Boyton were scrapping at one but he kept fighting he stayed in the match. It's a credit to Nick that he was able to close that out 3-2. And then the drama starts. As mentioned, Monday takes that second set at 2 after Soto, I believe it was up 4-3, love 40 in that second set and had the break point chances to sort of, you know, put the nail in the coffin for Tennessee. But look, Monday's the superstar freshman. He kept scratching, clawing, gets himself into a third set. Meanwhile, Boytan, Walton end up going three sets. This is where I want to bring you in, Chris, because I know you weren't there on the grounds, but watching these matches from afar, your thoughts on the performances from the top two and just, again, for Soto to get over that finish line, what it says about this Baylor team. Yeah, I thought that was a huge, a huge result for Soto because like you said, when, Mon- I mean, Monday, I was watching that, that love 40 game. I mean, it, it looked all but over. And then, you know, Monday gets one point and then he gets two. And the next thing you now you're going, uh oh, this could get close. And he climbs back in there. And that's tough when you get when you've got a 40 love, you know, you're serving 40 love uh, and you go down. It's hard to turn that right back around. Soto hung hung tough. I mean, you knew he would. The guy I mean, he's just he's a scrapper. He's not the guy that's living off, you know, serve plus one to begin with. So, you know, he's scrapping every point. But uh 
but that that was a big result for them. And and the same for Boynton to come. I mean, you know, Walton took the first set and had plenty of chances uh, to try to try try to do it in the second, and he couldn't get it done. Push that to a third. By the time we got to the end of the match, it you know it looked like the Baylor was kind of make they had made a little more of a push and were looking in command on on all of the courts, so to speak. But it was definitely in question there for a while. And and for Nick to come back and and get his, I mean, like like Maddie was saying, he he looked just just trying to close it out. It was a little tough, and it was a great job by him, even in that last service game, uh, trying to get that done. And then. And then as soon as he does for Soto to make the push, even though he gets broken, they get back on serve for him to finish it off and get the break, uh, the break right at the end there. I mean, that's, that's a big result for them. Got to, got to be a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence building for them. No, absolutely. And again, um, Maddie, this is where we were in person for this match. And I want to give you the final word. There was a moment for simultaneous match points, for the combination of Boitan and Soto. And, you know, Boitan, I think he went up 40-30 in his 5-4 service game. And as we mentioned, Soto had a couple of match points, 30-40 deuce in the 4-5 service game of Johannes Monday as well. And look, Tennessee fights them both off. And they're able to, you know, get to those five all games, send us to bonus time. And again, the energy, the atmosphere on the grounds. Final word goes to you on this match, Maddie, because A, Shout out to Baylor for sticking to the system, right, Maddie? And B, just your thoughts there down the home stretch, just again, for A, the environment, what it felt like to be there, and B, to see these Baylor Bears get over the hump, get back to the finals for the first time since 2005. Yeah, I mean, overall, like I said before, that has to be one of the absolute best dual matches that I've ever been a part of. And there's been some good ones. I mean, I'm not even going to go out there and just say it's, it's the best, but it is up there. I mean, I would really have to think hard, you know, about a couple of other matches that I've actually been a part of, but I thought the crowds, both teams, I mean, Tennessee showed up. I mean, the system was there, um, you know, <laughs> Baylor T-Rex was in the house. I mean, both crowds were fantastic. Um, you know, and again, I'm just telling you guys, this Baylor team's on a mission. I mean, you lose that dubs point. And I thought, look, Tennessee is such a good team to win four singles matches. I mean, it's nearly going to be impossible if, you know, if Tennessee plays, plays their best. Um, but credit to Baylor, man. I mean, they were just a little bit tougher. Walton and Monday, those guys didn't go anywhere. Like you mentioned, four simultaneous match points. I'm sitting next to my mom. She's got her phone out. She's trying to record these match points. And I'm like, all right, let's let's put the phone away. Like every time you try to record this, we're losing these points. Let's put it up. Um, you know, but it, credit to those guys. I thought Tennessee had a fantastic season. Um, and we underestimated them, guys, by the way. Just so we all remember, we didn't have them in our preseason top 10 that was clearly, clearly a mistake on our part. So credit to the Vols. They'll be back next year, but yeah, Baylor lives to fight one more match and and hopefully they get it done tonight. And in fact, I am going to give the final word actually to you, Chris, on that point, because I'm very glad you brought that up, Maddie, just quickly a, this environment is what college tennis is about. Why do we advocate for it so strongly here at crack rackets? Because you don't get that out of Wimbledon. You don't get that at a U.S. Open. I don't care if it's prime time at the U.S. Open. You don't have, and we're going to refer to him, the Tennessee fan, as the system, as Manny said, because that was every other word. Trust the system. Stick to the system. Or you have, you know, again, B-A-Y-L-O-R or R-Y-A-N Dickey, who I hope has just been guzzling green tea over the past 24 hours in preparation for the finals. Tennessee Nation, Vol Nation came out so, so strong. I mean, they even brought out Parson Damani, right? So, you know, they're bringing out the big guns and, you know, Baylor, though, for them to travel from Texas as well. And look, we'll talk about the Baylor Bears as we get into the final preview. But to Maddie's point, and again, Chris, final word to you. They lose Walton. They lose one more, right? There's one more fifth-year senior. I want to say, is it Hussey? Is Hussey the other senior? I believe yeah. he is the other yeah, one. Yeah, it'd be Hussey. He was, yeah. yeah, he was a grad transfer to begin with, so. Mm-hmm. And so he's out, he's he out as years. Yep. Basically he, he's out as well, but look, this Tennessee team, 28 and four, they bring back Walton. They're going to bring back Monday. They're going to bring back Prada. They're going to bring back the core of what is clearly a team on the rise. And you're right. We undersold them. The job that coach Woodruff, coach McKay did this year cannot be understated. I mean, Chris, 
your thoughts on this Tennessee program, what we should be expecting from them next season. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, obviously how good the, the incoming guys are, but clearly nobody knew how good Johannes Monday was going to be. Right? I mean, I mean, that's, that was just, especially by us, right? We didn't know, we, we knew they had him coming in. We didn't know he was going to be as good he is. He, he's even played someone this year. So clearly he's capable of stepping up to one next year, but you're going to feel the loss of an Adam Walton. So who's coming in Monday can step up you know, Prada, even I think played probably some two this year to start before they knew Monday was there that he can slide up how well they fill the bottom is going to be the, the open question mark with losing Hussey as well. But they, they were already deep this year. We saw them playing combinations of, Harper and Harper honestly hasn't been healthy all year. A healthy Harper will be really good. And then you've still got Rogers. You've still got Walner. So the, they're going to be a good team. I, you know, it's, it's just a matter of getting the rest of the guys to step up now, but they're going to be a good team for, for years now. Do they lose Walton? I thought he was, a, I thought he's got another year of COVID I, eligibility. Does he have one? He might have one more left because of COVID. Yeah. I think he's got one he more. Has, yeah. And, and I'm again, right off the bat, if you have Walton Monday, one, two, you're hanging with anyone. And so this Tennessee team is going to be dangerous. And I know Georgia keeps everyone bringing in a lot of talent. It's not like Florida's going anywhere either. But man, these Tennessee volunteers can play. And again, it sucks that anyone has to lose a match like that. But to Maddie's point, that's a special of a, of a match, of an atmosphere as you're going to find. That's everything. Life, you know, that's why we're down here in Orlando. But Again, with that in mind, that was semifinal number one. Semifinal number two, we're probably not going to spend quite as much time on because it was a little bit more straightforward. And look, we have talked all season long. Texas is the team you don't bet against. You think they're down 3-0. They're going to pull some magic out of their derrieres. They're going to do everything they can do to scrap and claw and fight their way back into the match. But I'll start with you, Maddie. For you know, Florida takes that doubles point. They get the uh, six-four win from Shelton and Riffis at number two, six-two win from Berdusco and Grant, and then look three straight set victories that we can get into in more depth. But I mean, you look for this Florida team, and you know, I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast. I think they're a team that's really, really good at beating up people they're worse than. If they get a one-zero, two-zero lead, they're closing the door. But it did feel like against Texas A&M for them to drop that doubles point, have their back against the wall, come back and ultimately earn the victory, get the first four singles matches off the board. That felt like one of those linchpin breakthrough moments. And I think this Florida team is peaking heading into the final, Maddie. Yeah, but the A&M, here's the thing though, Gruskin, that A&M match, Florida's dropped doubles points this season Mm -hmm. and has come back. That's really nothing new. I mean, they've, they've lived that way for a majority of the season. Um, You know, their doubles hasn't been great. They've mixed around combinations, tried a bunch of different pairings, but yeah, for them to win that doubles point against Texas, I mean, I think even the Longhorns knew, hey, we're playing Florida, we must I mean, must win the doubles point. When that didn't happen, uh, lights out. I mean, Florida, you know, I mean, they can find four singles. So when they only have to find three, um, usually that's going to be bad news for the opponent. So, yeah, I, I think Florida just started that match off the right way. They said, you know what? We're not even going to let this thing go down to the end and have to pull off four. Let's just take dubs. Let's get out of here with three singles wins. We'll move on to the final. Good job by them. No, again, to you're absolutely right. And I mean, these two teams played earlier in the season. It was a 4-3 victory for Texas, and it's so funny. And we were joking about this yesterday on scene, and I think I talked about this a little bit on the podcast. That ITA kickoff region that had all of us a little bit shook. Texas beats Florida. Those are two final four teams. Also in that region, you had a Sweet 16 team in Arizona who pushed the Florida Gators in that first match. And in retrospect, it's like, oh, of course they pushed them. They are that good. And then, you know, of course, Trevor Fauche's Liberty Flames might have been the best team in that region. Um, But no, of course, I just have that conference champ as well. Um, Again, Chris, you can take this wherever you want. I want all of your thoughts on Florida's performance last night, A, and then B, asshole next time you're at a match tell me don't make me wait for your tweets so i have to come freaking find you like i know you're with family but like come on man i thought i was family too but i mean no but my larger point here 
Is Florida peaking? Because I really think they are. Like, I really do think this was their best match of the season. And I know Texas has been battle-tested two four threes in their quarterfinals and round of 16. But, like, I think this performance had more to do with Florida. I think Florida was sensational. And I'm curious your thoughts as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. First off, we, we, you know, we can start with the doubles. Doubles for Florida is, I mean, it's a total enigma. Like, we watched them mm-hmm. against A&M, and they were down, what, two love 40 30 on three mm-hmm. and then ripped off the two points to get the break <laughs> and then five more games in a row after that and they you know but then they somehow managed to lose on that ridiculous point on one with a reflex volley that i have no idea how bjorn thompson got that ball back <laughs> uh, but but they you know you look at them and 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 it's all over the board they're go, they're, they're up five two the next thing you know it's five all they're down five two the next thing you know it's five all I, you have no idea what to expect from them out of doubles. What I'll say from the doubles for them is Grant and Verduzco look really, really good. You, I mean, you have to like what they're doing at three dubs. At one and two, nothing special. They just, I mean, I think that for them, their their recipe is, hey, we got to get three and one of the one or two guys have to sneak out a, a dubs point if we're going to get dubs. But to Maddie's point, I don't think they even care. They're, I mean, obviously they care, but it's not like they come out of it going, oh man, we're in trouble now. They think they can win four singles matches against anybody. So, so from that point, they're rolling. And are they peaking? Yeah, I think there are certain guys that are really playing better now than they've played through the, through the year. Vale and Riffis to begin. I mean, obviously when Goodger and, and Bicknell haven't lost the match all year, it's hard to say they're peaking. I mean, it's like they've been at the peak off, off freaking season, but, but Riffis and Vale are really playing well, and particularly Vale. What we've seen out of him this week has been just tremendous, and and that's that's a good sign for them uh, that he's doing what he's doing at one. But you know, I, gosh, it's so the inter- There are a couple interesting matches to me here. I mean, Charlie Broom, who's been let's face it, beaten up twice, uh, mm-hmm. will get Ben Shelton tonight, right? I mean, so that's interesting, but. But those guys, I mean, before we get to, I guess, to the preview, just the recap. Yeah, Florida, I will say, to your point, it could have ended up a 4-3 match. Andy made it really, really interesting at the end. Vale couldn't serve his match out. That got tight. I mean, we could have been looking at all four of those remaining matches uh, had Andy not been able to serve it out. We could have been going very late. I mean, it was if, if Andy didn't get that second set, we were going three everywhere. It was going to be tight. Goodger was like 3-2 in the third, maybe. Maybe it was 4-3. I'm not sure. Andy got broken to, or, or actually, I won't say get broken, had three break points to win it, lost them all, then went to 6-5 and had to break again. But Vale lost his opportunity to serve it out. Uh, you know, Riffis dropped a tie break. It was They were all going three sets if that didn't happen. The odds of winning four three-set matches if you're Texas, not great. But hey, that's the kind of thing Texas has done all year. So I think if if they had managed to get that set on three, things would have gotten really, really interesting. Uh, and that's, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be a, a, a thing for Florida. What I, what concerned me if, if I'm me looking at Florida is even though Andy won in straight sets, my gosh, that second serve, <laughs> is there a worse second serve out there playing three singles? Anyway? I mean, so, so I mean, I'm telling you right now, Sven La is going to be all over that second serve. Andy's got, I mean, world-class backhand. There's no question. That backhand is just crazy, crazy good. Uh, And when he's on on the forehand, it's good as well. A good first serve, but that second is such a liability. It's, it's almost hard to watch. So that, that's a spot I think Baylor has definitely got to pick on, but, uh, but yeah, Florida just, that's kind of, I think that's what we all expected to see kickoff weekend that we didn't see and yeah they've they've come a long way since then you know it's hard to say for a team that's only lost a couple matches all year but they've clearly clearly come a long way since that point uh and and are a much better team now and kind of gave us what we what we had expected to see from them early in the year yeah i i it's hard to disagree with anything you said there um to just add to your point you never know what you're going to get from florida in doubles and that is you're absolutely right that's a huge question mark because, yes, this Florida Gators team can find four singles victories, but to have to find four singles victories against Baylor is a completely other story. And, you know, again, 
quickly on Texas, because you look for these Texas Longhorns, they finished their season now 24 and six overall. And look, they're bringing back everyone. I know there are a couple of people transferring out, but in terms of their starting lineup, all six of these guys will be back in singles. And I think they may lose Peyton Holden in doubles, but they've got a couple of players coming in as well, right? Ciamara is coming into this Texas team. And I think there might be some other things down the pipeline as well that we're not quite ready to report, but we're feeling pretty confident about here at Cracked Rackets. And it's just like the fight from Spazeri and Waldeeb, their second year freshman, I... I'm amazed. I, seriously, their energy level, Elliot Spaziri's embracing of the atmosphere, of the crowd, of the anti-Florida, you know, of the pro-Florida crowd. He was getting right back in their faces. And anytime they yelled at him, he dished it back and then some. And it almost seemed to fuel him. And again, Duarte served for that match. You know, at number one single, Spaziri got the break. And he just kept scrapping, clawing. And even beyond how impressive his tennis game is, it's just for C, uh, for Spaziri and Waldi this early in their careers to be the leaders of this program and to show that sort of maturity and that sort of fight, I couldn't be more impressed. And I know I tweeted this out yesterday, but this Texas team is coming, Maddie. And it, it's not this season, but I mean, they're they're I mean, Virginia. You look at the roster they're going to bring in next year. Holy crap! But. Texas is absolutely in the mix, right? To compete for a national championship. Curious what you think about these Longhorns heading into 2022. Yeah, I'm I'm really going to like the Longhorns heading into next season. And again, this is a team that we underestimated. You know, mm-hmm. we, we thought, you know, all the guys that they lost such a young team, we didn't expect them to make the final four really, or even probably the final eight. Um, and, and, you know, they proved us wrong there. Don't forget about Micah Braswell guys either. Oh. I, you mentioned Spaziri and Waldy, but Micah Braswell, I think is about to be a perennial top 10 player in the country. I mean, I've seen this Texas team play in person now. They're really good. And, and guys have stepped up. I mean, Cleve Harper's improved a lot. I mean, they got some contributions lower Evan McDonald, Chi Chi, of course, um, yeah, you bring in a guy like Richard Ciamara, who played at the top of the lineup for Notre Dame. It was like um, five you know, in the country. Yeah, it's like it's a, it's another one of those graduate transfers that's going to make an immediate impact uh, for this team. So, yeah, they're not going anywhere. In fact, I think they're just starting. They bring everybody back. Uh, they will be contenders for the next several years. No yeah. question. No, let's be clear. This was a year early. For this team to have this result, and I'm so happy you brought up Braswell because just quickly to both of you, um, do you consider Braswell in the same category as Monday, Strom, Vonder Schulenberg? I feel like we didn't this season enough, but he belongs there, right, Maddie and Chris? Absolutely. Yep, he's yep. up there. He's 100, up there. 100%. The guy is an absolute stud, and that Riffis-Braswell match had no business having a number two singles flight next to it. That was as good as it gets in college tennis. And now quickly, just my thoughts on the Gators before we get into the preview. I'm so sorry to Gator Nation. I know, again, you guys bit me in the derriere. Sorry to use that derriere term twice in one podcast in 2019, and it hurt my feelings. Um, But Duarte's improvement, I was always skeptical that he was a top five player in the country. I was always like, that's an SEC bump. I was wrong. He is that good. The first serve is firing physically. He's as proficient and, you know, as, as just he's a scrapper. He's as good as anyone you're going to find, you know, in the country at that position. He's going to be in every match he plays. I say it all the time. The better the opponent, the better the Sam Riffis you're going to see. Um, to Chris's point, Andrade, when it's good, it's excellent. When it's shaky, it's definitely still shaky. But we saw the excellence tonight against Waldeeb, or at least the pockets of excellence. And I mean, look. McNell's undefeated for a freaking reason. Like you can talk about the calls. You can do whatever you want to do. He could call every ball in last night. It didn't matter. He beat Cleep Harper that bad. Like he just, he straight up took it to him. He beat him. And I know some Longhorns out there will say five all deuce point, whatever. They came back out. Harper hits an overhead. It looked out from where I was. And there was a chair umpire right on that line as well. Or chair umpire lines person, excuse me. And look like, okay, there's one call here and there, but let's be clear. Blaze Bicknell is 18 and 0 at four singles, 23 and overall, 23 and 0 overall in the season. He is that good. That forehand is ridiculous. He earns another straight set win for the Gators. It was Shelton, as you mentioned, the young freshman lefty who just so powerful and clearly embracing this scene, embracing the moment, 6-3, 6-11. And then yeah, you know, it sucked that that match had to end on a wall deep double fault, but Andrade gets over the finish line. 
4-0 for the Gators. And now, after all the hoopla, after all the discussions, what do the rankings look like? How's it going to impact everything? Yada, 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 yada. It's the top two seeds in the NCAA final. Florida taking on Baylor. And, Maddie, I want to go to you first, but just some context for all of our listeners. Baylor, 34-4 and this season. You look for them. Fronson and Law, 12-9 and at number one doubles. Soto and Stokowiak, 11-2 and at two doubles. And then, of course, Broom and Bass, who I believe are now 9-3 and at three doubles, but have won their last five decisions. You look at singles, you know, for these Baylor Bears, they've won over 80% of their matches at every flight except number three singles, where, of course, Sven Law now has won his last four finish decisions and has won his last two matches here in Orlando versus the, you know, the Florida Gators, who have lost twice this season. And it's to two teams who made the Final Four in Texas and Tennessee. And, you know, you look for them, uh, the number one doubles team. I mean, it's such a new doubles team. So it's, it's honestly, you can throw all of their double stats out the window. But this is a team, you know, 17 and 6 at 1, 20 and 4 at 2, 20, 18 and 7 at 3. But then undefeated Bicknell at 4 and undefeated Goodger, who was working his way back in the third set at 6. You clearly have a peaking Ben Shelton as well, who you know, has put together a really solid 17 and four campaign at the number five singles position. You look at the UTRs in this matchup, uh, Florida's power six and 80.67 Baylor's a 79.89. Of course, you can kind of throw all that stuff out the window at this point. We know what these teams are. We know the commodities. I'm going to go to you first, Maddie, your thoughts, match calculus, how you expect this match to unfold. Of course, how important you think that doubles point is as well. Yeah, I'm going to keep it pretty simple, Gruskin. Forget the numbers. I don't care at this point. Don't talk about UTR. Don't talk about records. None of that. It doesn't matter. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is a national championship match. It's going to be more mental than Mm -hmm. anything else, right? I mean, it's really going to come down to who's mentally tougher. And I think it's fair to say these are probably the two best teams, right? They're one and two in the rankings. They're the one and two seeds. Um, you know, we had Florida at the top of our, our cracked rackets poll for a majority of the season. They were so hot, um, you know, through the month of, uh, the month of March into April. Uh, and Baylor's just played everybody. I mean, I think they played the toughest schedule out of any team in the country by far. Um, so they're battle tested and they've had such a good year. So, you know, this is a worthy championship match. It really is. I'm, I'm glad to see that it's Baylor, Florida. Um Match calculus, again, I, I'll just keep it simple. I'm going to pick Baylor 4-3. I think the singles get split, but I do think Baylor finds a way to win the doubles point. I don't know which courts it's going to come from. It could be any court. And what's, what's, what's really interesting about this match, guys, and I, I truly believe this, but both coaches, Coach Shelton, Coach Woodson, they're probably sitting in their locker rooms going, you know what, guys? I think legitimately we can win at all nine spots. And when I say nine spots, I mean all six singles flights, all three doubles flights. I think both coaches, both teams really believe that they can win at every single spot, which should make for a fantastic match. I'm going to roll Baylor 4-3. They win the doubles point and they get three singles matches. I think they're split. I don't know where they're coming from. I'm not going to say it's one, four, it's six, whatever. I don't care because uh, I don't know. It could be anybody um, but that's my prediction. I'm going to go Baylor 4-3 in another epic, epic match. Yeah, it's 4-3 is the number, Maddie. I, I very much agree with you. And so with that in mind, let's bring in the forefather of match calculus, the man who does run the numbers, who heard you say the numbers don't matter and probably is like cringing on the inside. He's like, no, Maddie, numbers do matter, I swear. Um, and by the way, I apologize. This podcast is going to end up being posted unedited. Our producers are just out of commission uh, over the next day, and I want all of you listeners to be able to hear it. Uh, but with that in mind, Chris, match calculus, your thoughts on uh, take it any direction you want to go. Yeah, well, I'm actually with with Maddie in the one respect, and that is trying to pick a calculus here is almost impossible <laughs> because because I agree with Maddie. I think that at all nine spots, anybody could win any of them. They're ba- you know they're coin tosses for the most part. I mean, if you want to get down into you know what I would call minor favorites, I would say, boy, I mean. I know it's Maddie's brother, but how do you pick against Bicknell at four? I mean, that's a spot for Florida you probably have to like. But I would then turn around and go, hey, I don't know how you don't like Sven Law at three, especially with what I've seen this week out of Andrade. 
But okay, so I've split those two. I still can't say there's a heavy favorite on either side in any other match. Um, what I kind of hope it comes down to, I, and the way I think it'll work out, is I'm with Maddie. I kind of favor the the dubs point to Baylor. Uh, Florida's just too unpredictable. Baylor's been more solid. I like Florida probably to take two of three at four, five, six. And then what I think it comes down to now is the thing, and we've said that's the strength for both teams, right? Four, five, six. And I think it comes down to which team can get two of the top three. And that's what I hope we get to see, because I want to see the top of the lineup really come down and, and get it down to, you know, a match at one or a match at two that decides the whole thing. I think it's a four, three match. I think whoever can step up and take those two of those top three matches probably gets it, but it could, it could work out to be, you know, four, three, the other direction and, and be a complete opposite of what we said, right? Baylor could sweep four, five, six, Florida could take doubles. And then it comes down, you know, whatever, who knows? I mean, every one of these matches could go either way. So I'm, I also, I mean, I don't know how you get away from a four, three match just because it's so close. Uh, so I'll go four, three. I know I picked Baylor before we ever started the week, but I'm going to use my mulligan here and say, from what I've seen wow. from Florida this week, especially the thing that's got me right now is, man, I would have stayed there because I would have said pre-tournament, I would have thought Charlie Broom mm-hmm. was a lock at five. And with what I've seen both from Charlie and from Ben Shelton really playing out of his mind at this week, I kind of like that. It I'm going to lean Florida 4-3 tonight. Ugh. So you're asking me to be the so tiebreaker here. You're the breaker, uh, Gruskin. I'm just not going to make a pick then. I'm just I defer to the second half. <laughs> oh, um, of course. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> no, I would never. I would never do would, that. Would we expect anything less, Maddie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course not. We knew that was coming. Oh, yeah. or you guys don't have to face these teams in the press conference. You guys don't have to be like, so coach Sheldon, then he gives you that little smirk. Like you picked against us, didn't you, Alex? <laughs> um, or, you know, I, I'm referred to him, but I can just call him out. Now Tanner comes up to me and says, Hey, thanks for picking against us and gives me a little hand clap. And I was like, ah, oh, you heard that coach. Uh, you weren't <laughs> supposed to. Um, oh, and don't even get me started. Uh, not that. All right, let's get into it because I've been waiting to have you guys. The Duke coaches were in the freaking lobby this morning as I came out of the workout room. And I was like, head down, Alex, head down and get to that fucking elevator. I was like, do not look up. Don't say a word. Just get to the elevator. Um, and anyways, I, this is unedited. I mentioned so apologies for the F-bomb. Um, uh, they called the you way, out, didn't they? No, I, I made it to the elevator in time. I was just there. Um, <laughs> uh, and by the way, do coaches come say hello. Let's talk. I obviously would love to discuss anything and everything. Um, that was just a joke. I'm sorry. I make jokes here. Apparently, I can't do that anymore, but I make jokes. Um, I've obfuscated long enough. Look, I agree with both of you. Baylor's been the steadier of the two team in doubles. You lean that way and 25 and three. Like the team that wins the doubles point is 25 and three. Whoever wins doubles is winning this match because I'm sorry. I just don't see four singles wins coming. Of course, I have said that probably about every match. I've only been wrong three times. So I feel pretty good about saying that fact. And that would be why I lean Baylor because even in a loss, Franson and Allah didn't look bad. It's a seven, five loss to Harper and Walton. Like that happens. And, you know, again, I think Sam Riffis and Ben Sheldon are playing their best tennis here in the NCAA tournament. And that is a scary prospect at two, but Matias and Nick won a futures title. They can absolutely hang. And then Charlie and Finn have been the best three doubles team in this tournament. And so I just, I see Baylor taking the doubles point. Here's the thing though. Riffis has played so well at two. Shelton has played so well at five. And then I love Nikki like my own, but like Bicknell doesn't lose at the same time. I'm not picking against Furman. I don't care that Goodyear hasn't lost at six singles. I'm just not picking against Spencer. And then I test your right. Sven has been better than Andy. And I have no idea what to do with that number one singles match. Like, I literally could not tell you who's going to win between Duarte and Adrian. I have not a clue in the world. I'm going to lean Baylor 4-3. I'm going to agree with you, Maddie. A, we need to make up some ground on Chris. We're going to make this match worth five. So just that we can catch up to him. Sorry about that, Chris. I don't know. I didn't tell you that beforehand, but just so you know. That's all right. you, can, you can have it. It's as many as you want to make it worth. I'm still winning. <laughs> 
yeah, you're up like seven at this point, but um, <laughs> no, I'm going to pick Baylor four, three. Like I do. I, I think that's the pick. I think that's the move. I do think this match is going to be exceptional. Um, now I'm doing a full other podcast on the women's, but I do want to offer you both the pick. Maddie, I'm going to go to you first. Pepperdine, Texas, who you got? Oh man. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it'll be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I've also seen Texas a few times this year. Everyone. They're so good up and down that entire lineup. I know they're young, but man, every single spot, um, I'll roll, I'll roll Texas for two. No, it's it's fair, Chris. Uh, you know where I'm going, Greskin. You don't even have to ask. <laughs> Come on. Uh, all year I've said it's the same thing. It's Pepperdine. Pepperdine's going all the way. Yeah. Look, Leahy he hasn't looked. She hasn't looked great this week. She'll get it done against Peyton Stearns. I don't know where else they're going to get it. I mean, Texas at two, th- two, three, four is unbelievable. I mean, they're just. I love the Texas two, three, four. So I, I don't know how. Pepperdine's going to do it, but it's going to be four, three, just like against North Carolina and Pepperdine's going to fight. They're going to find a way to get it done. Uh, I sure you'll get it. She'll get a win, I think, but I mean, whew, what a match, what a match It's going to, it's going to be tough. And if Texas takes, which I would, the problem here is I do kind of, I expect Texas to take the doubles point. Uh, mm-hmm. I, that's the way I feel. And now to come back and beat them in four singles matches with it, with what they've got, that's going to be really hard. Um, but you know, I somehow, some way, I think Pepperdine finds a way. Yeah. Again, I, I think Pepperdine's peaking. They have, I still haven't seen them play their best match. Like they played really well against UNC. I still think they have another gear to them and they're going to need that gear tomorrow because to your guys' point, oh my God, is Texas good. They've won doubles in the first sets and all six singles in the quarterfinals and the semifinals of the NCAA tournament. And they're freshmen and like, yeah, you think she, she, Shiori Fukuda probably has to win at four for Pepperdine. And it's like, well, she's playing Shavatapan, who's lost once. So good luck there. And it's like just up and down the lineup. Texas is so freaking good. But Pepperdine. Well, they better find that gear today, not tomorrow. No, exactly. They have one day to do it. <laughs> I'm going to lean. I mean, I love Joffy. I love, well, I, I, I'm talking about it in a full podcast. I'm make, not making a prediction now. I'll make that prediction there, but um, give myself, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know. I think I'm going to pick Pepperdine four three, but I do think Texas, again, if Texas gets doubles, it's over because you're not finding four singles wins as good as Pepperdine is, but I think Pepperdine threw a fast one at us. And I think they're actually quietly gotten so much better at doubles. It's a joke, but yeah, again, fantastic event. It's been so fun being down here in Orlando. When the three of us hang out, it's amazing how many people have come up afterwards and be like, oh, it's the Cracked Rackets Holy Trinity, or oh, there's the mines happening. Something bad's probably about to go down, or I'll look out for the tweet. All of those fun things. It's meant the world to all of us. Um, I'm going to give the final words to, to the both of you now. Maddie, any final thoughts here on what we've seen in Orlando? I have nothing else to say other than Sikkim Bears. Oh, I love it, Chris. Ah, man, I can't. I, I all I'll say is I hope I hope tonight that we get to see like a three all third set breaker match. Uh, that's the kind of the kind of match we deserve in this final. The top two seeds, I think the two teams that are the, the best two teams clearly in the country. I just want to see it come down to be a super competitive match. Of course, I'm picking the Gators, so go Gators. I thought you were going to do the din and in and in go <laughs> Gators. Uh, that's what I was looking for there. But um, yeah, again, more than anything else, give me a four, two, four, three, all eyes on two courts. It comes down to this sort of clinch. And I do think that is what we've got in store for us here in both of these matches. So again, going to be a fantastic championship Saturday. I apologize. You guys, I can't believe they're going to have to hear my minute long coughing fit. They're going to have to hear me choke through all of that pizza. Like that is so embarrassing for me, but that's usually the wonders of super producer Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff. You can tell I'm lost without, but shout out to the both of them. Shout out to our friends at Turner Tennis. Contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to uh, get yourself on the uh, Turner Tennis team. But with all of that in mind, one last reminder, if you're a player 
coach fan who has listened to this podcast who wants to come say hello. You got one more day to do so. So don't be shy. Come say hello to the three of us. We'll chat your ear off for a little bit. But more importantly, we are just so happy uh, that we have been able to help grow this college tennis community that so many of you have embraced us means the world to us. So again, come hang out. Come say hello. We've only got one day left of this team season. And with that in mind for my fantastic co-host, Matt the Cracks Dakoya, Chris Helliers, who by the way, you guys know my thoughts about you. Cannot emphasize enough how grateful I am for everything you've done for us this season. For super producers Fligner and Westhoff, whose value you now hopefully all understand. For our friends at Turn of Tennis and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.